You're listening to Fucks Given, the one about polyamory 101. Hello, Reed. Hello, Florence. How's how's things going? They're going okay. They're going okay. I just had my birthday, my 33rd birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. I did feel like the motherfucking birthday girl. You Actually, did. this whole week, I really fucking did. It was it was immense. I had such a good time. Yay! Oh, That's and mm. big news: the first birthday in eleven years that I haven't done drugs for. Oh my god, that's actually something worth like. That's big. That, that is, is big. big. That is I'm proud so of big you. for me. Thank Congratulations! You. Thank yeah, that's you. I'm fucking so incredible. Fucking proud. Mm. Yeah, Mm-mm. and I'm getting great. somewhere. Yeah, exactly. I feel so good. Yeah. Yay! Yay! Getting. I'm getting somewhere. It's been a tough old journey, but I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> okay, so to to crack to start things off, have you done anything wild on OnlyFans? last week oh so i've been really getting into full body nylon stockings oh my god suit type i things. saw a picture of you that jacob had taken on instagram last week oh and you were in <laughs> it's like, like you were in a tight <laughs> yeah t- i was in tights i was in uh pantyhose but I was like in like all the way up <laughs> yeah yeah it it's it feels so good Florence it's like like a textured latex it's like it's so tight on your skin you know when you're wearing tights and you do that thing (laughs) over your knee with your nails yes yeah yeah and it like feels insane it feels like that but on your whole motherfucking body wow it is so good so yeah we were having some play sessions in that (laughs) it was oh my god the nipples I cannot tell you how good they feel. It is on another level. Because my sensitive nipples can't handle direct contact unless yeah. it's perfectly oh. right. So it, when I masturbate at home, it's always over a t-shirt or something yeah. really tight and mm-hmm. thin. Otherwise, it's too intense and too much. And I really have to communicate that to my partners when they're doing nipple play with me. But this, with the tights material over my nips, was insane it was insane Florence I cannot and the oh my god and the body tickling (laughs) my like armpits were sensitive my armpits are rarely ever sensitive and I was losing my mind Florence it was so fucking good so I've got like I don't know why or how I've suddenly got three of them three of these full body stockings (laughs) because I just got so excited I don't know why I find them so funny like I really like creased when I saw that picture because it just looks so cute (laughs) as well like you just look so cute like tied up in your little full body stocking it's i don't like, know what it was it's like a full body bondage situation it's like yeah it's like yeah. Late, like full body latex was, is it oh, like obsessed. fully over your hands as well so i bought two different ones where it's like there's one with like mitts where i can't yeah it's just like <laughs> and the other one's like gloves where i'm you know i've got hands um the other one i think is is wait so is, but... is this content on only fans of course it is. You know yeah, it is. this content's on OnlyFans. That we did a really amazing scene where I was tied up on a chair and there was a lot of like, yeah, edging and tease and denial and oh, God, so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's available on that's OnlyFans. Cool. Very exciting. That's mm. very cool. My my update on that side of things was, for the first time ever, I think I got cum in my. Well, I did get cum in my eye. Oh my god! Oh, Florence, I feel you so hard. But it cum made for some great. OnlyFans content. 
in terms it did, of like those images. it was it was great photos a little video of just like the after effects of this oh. amazing sex session but yeah. after seeing your photo i would I was pay like... any money to see that come in the eye <laughs> i wouldn't even open my eyes until i was like going to the bathroom like blind like trying to figure out like how i was gonna get like the water because i just didn't want it to get in yeah 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 did you get you, you didn't get pink eye though because when it goes actually in the eyeball and no. you've got so millions of sperm trying to impregnate your <laughs> eye it's fucking painful your so whole I, eye goes red i like like squeezed my eyes like so tight so that like it would just kind of like go out yeah i, I mean the know. power of it, the eyeball it protects it worked yeah, yeah it <laughs> did work but anyway i am so excited for today's episode all about polyamory wait that is yeah yes. it's polygamy that people say the wrong and i'm like not po- sure. polygamy i swear my my old <laughs> phone tried to cuck me because every time i would write polyamory it would autocorrect <laughs> to, to polygamy, polygamy. To polygamy, and I would write that on my stories, and people would be like, "Huh, really? What you meant?" I was like, "Sorry, yeah. man, I didn't even notice." Shit. <laughs> so yes, polyamory is what we're talking about. Non-monogamy um, is yeah, it's part of the whole conversation today, and we're very excited to get our guest Leanne on. So yeah, shall we get her on? Let's get her on. Leanne, it's so good to have you on the podcast. Hello. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, you know, I've se- I've seen your videos on YouTube for ages, so it's a bit uh yeah, it's a bit surreal ah. to be here. So yeah, uh, really really nice Yay. to speak to you guys. <laughs> That's so lovely. We love that. Beautiful. So for the curious fuckers who might not know who you are, please tell them a little bit about yourself. Sure, yeah. Uh, so my name is Lian Yao, uh, my pronouns are she, they, and I'm an educator, influencer, advocate uh, with a primary focus on polyamorous and non-monogamous relationships. So, you know, kind of I talk about how to start them and maintain them, common misconceptions about them, uh, what people can learn from polyamory, regardless of your own relationship style or orientation. Um, and I'm a bisexual Chinese woman of color. Uh, I have diagnosed autism and ADHD. So on my platform, I also talk a little bit about queerness, gender, sex positivity, neurodivergence. Um, yeah, Amazing. so the sprinklings of those as well alongside the polyamory. Um, and yeah. I'm also in training to become a sex therapist. Um, I do a lot of kind of workshops, lectures, panels wow. about polyamory. Yeah, oh, yeah. and um, I've been actively non-monogamous since I was 17 and yeah, I just love talking about sex and relationships. So um, that's I why I've that. turned into a career. <laughs> that sounds Ooh, so amazing. I love, I love that you're like training to do the relationship therapy on the side of everything as well. But yeah, I just wanted to say that I also followed your content for a while and I fucking love it. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, this it's is like a mutual, good, mutual good fan stuff, club here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leanne, to warm everything up, we'd love to ask you the fuck that changed the game i think the fuck that changed the game for me was the first time that i had high sex so specifically (laughs) sex when i was on weed um and i'm not really someone who kind of partakes in i guess substances (laughs) like on a regular basis yeah um and i kind of like to do it as a treat Mm -hmm. um and i think the first time i tried it was uh i think i was at uni i think i must have been in my second year 
Um, and yeah, like kind of someone gave me an edible at a party uh, and I tried it. And then that same night I met someone and then we hooked up, uh-huh. um, you know, in, 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 like in my, in my flat. And it was literally incredible. Like, I think I must have orgasmed like, I don't know, like 70 times. Whoa. Um, Whoa. And, you know, cause normally, yeah, normally I, I come like maybe like once maximum twice, mm-hmm. like if I'm sober. Yeah. Uh, like actually now that's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, back then that was, you know, what I would normally expect. So then, you know, even the lightest touch, like he would like brush my ear and I would come <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he touched like the, like the, like just my elbow and I would be orgasming. It was insane. Wow. Um, and so I was just like, this is, this is like opened possibilities beyond my imagination. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm based in Bristol now. Like I've been living here for the past like two years mm-hmm. and Bristol is kind of the weed capital of the UK. It's known as like is the it? Portland of the UK. Yeah, yeah, that's that. what I've heard. Um, nice. You know, like a lot of, a lot of kind of artists, poets, like, you know, artistic lost souls that come here. Yeah. And, you know, I think yeah. the kind of culture does come with that. Um, and so, you know, like I've uh, discovered recently that uh as i've had more high sex it's actually also changed how i do sex sober Mm. um i don't know what it is but it's unlocked some kind of wiring where i'm able to tap into that part of me that's able to just unlock like 50 orgasms um and now i'm able to do that sober as well (laughs) fuck yes insane bloody hell i'm gotta so, be body like so right? jealous <laughs> i remember when i had um high sex for the first time i'm also someone that doesn't really do drugs like that often at all and it's just like yeah once once in a blue moon i have like a weed vape here that i take sometimes since cannabis is legal <laughs> oh, in california <laughs> but when i had i've only had high sex once in my life and it was this incredible experience i found that i had like a really long extended orgasm that yeah. felt like it was happening for like Forever. five yeah, minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like yeah. something crazy. <laughs> no, that happens as well. It's really long orgasms, but lots of waves. Like it's, um, you know, as opposed to kind of just one peak and then it kind of goes down again. It's like, it's like there's a wave and then the, but the way, like the, the end of the wave is con- is higher than you were before and you just kind of keep escalating. So it's like one big orgasm, yeah. but lots of l- little mini orgasms in the middle of a big orgasm. Is kind of what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. Shit. yeah. yeah. So that was so that was wild, and um, you know, I, like I, I think I think that that changed the game for me in terms of just like yeah. knowing what my body was capable of, and um, you know, just yeah, like kind of tapping into that that whatever mindset that I was in at the time that gave me yeah. the capability to do that, and so now I'm able to do it mm. sober as well, which is honestly the greatest gift. <laughs> um, it kind of yes. that's so cool. It kind of makes sense though because obviously you do have to get to a level of like relaxation and like not in your head about an orgasm coming because part of like what stops us from orgasming is thinking about it too Mm. much Mm. so I feel like if you if you unlock that when you're high like I kind of get it it's like oh it just like you know it just comes and you just let it come I, I, I don't know yeah yeah and I think as well when you're high you focus a lot more on like sensuality um so then you focus a lot yes. more on just the sensations of like caressing skin hand through the hair like whatever mm. like it's things like slow down yeah. a lot more and I'm wondering if that also leads to like a bigger kind of build up um so yeah um high sex is incredible I recommend it <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it doesn't work for everybody, yeah, but it true. can work for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I, it's, I suppose it's a bit like when people do chem sex or when they have to drink alcohol to be able to enjoy the sex. A lot of the time, it's because we are so caught up in our heads, mm. and you know, we we feel shameful or embarrassed. And I think that sometimes drugs, drugs and alcohol can take that layer of shame away from us and mm. like lower. Is it lowering our inhibitions? Is that the right yeah, term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think I think that's a good mm. point that you make, Reed. Like, it's you know, I think it's really useful as a tool for um, kind of helping you, yeah, unlock these parts of yourself or you know, yeah, yeah. release these inhibitions that you have. But um, I think the moment it becomes a crutch is where you start need to be yes. being a little bit more careful. <laughs> yeah, like when you can't when you can't have sex or pleasure or get into bed with somebody without taking something, without drinking alcohol for first or having a joint or like doing a line i think that's when you are using it as a crutch so you just got to be got to be aware you know got to be aware there's a balance there's a healthy balance guys Um, (laughs) and we've we've all been there as well i think when it comes to like using alcohol or other drugs as as something to make us feel more comfortable in ourselves but yeah it's definitely a journey to it's kind of your self-confidence i think as well and just being like Mm -hmm. oh i'm actually capable of doing this sober yeah once i started having sober sex i mean i'm pretty much sober now um i don't drink so it's like you know there's no other option for me like i just want it sober sex is just so fucking good i like just love being in the present in the present like not in my head and mm. yeah all that stuff this is definitely mm. like a strange tangent but very very oh, interesting i love it <laughs> i love this because you're, you're so right it's like when you get to a point where you start having sober sex sober sex feels three thousand times better than what you ever had with alcohol sex or mm. like if you're using drug sex but it takes yeah. a while to get there yeah. I, I, could, I could never fuck when i'm drunk or high because it just feels so shit it just doesn't feel good and it feels like a waste but it took mm. years to get there mm. yeah really fascinating you're right you know we're not talking about <laughs> should we go back to polyamory yeah let's go <laughs> to polyamory okay well to dive in why don't we just ask the basic question what is polyamory for anyone that doesn't know yeah, so polyamory is a subset of non-monogamy. Um, so non-monogamy, I think you guys have talked about non-monogamy on the podcast before, um, yeah. where, yeah, non-monogamy is just any kind of relationship that is not monogamous, not kind of sexually and or romantically exclusive. Um, yeah. And polyamory is a specific type of non-monogamy where uh, instead of kind of most open relationships where you have one romantic partner but kind of both of you can sleep with other people and have kind of casual relationships um polyamory specifically involves multiple loving connections so yeah kind of you you can have multiple uh romantic partners um you aren't limited necessarily in the kind of depth and intimacy that you can share with others there Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily a hierarchy in terms of like having kind of one primary partner um you know like yeah there there is the opportunity for more equality or equity like across the connections that you have and Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot more kind of flexibility in the relationships and connections that you can you can cultivate so yeah. um yeah that that's that's what i would um define as polyamory there's multiple different types of polyamory but it's the only type of non-monogamy where multiple romantic relationships are involved as opposed to one romantic and multiple sexual yeah yeah how did yeah. how did you um what was your journey with polyamory and how did you kind of realize that that was the style of relationship that worked for you uh so i think my journey started when i was like 
in sixth form, so like 16, 17, um, I was dating someone and, uh, you know, we were in a monogamous relationship and to this day, it's still the only monogamous relationship I've ever been in. Wow. Um, and, and like that at the time, you know, we ended up dating for about a year, but at some point in the relationship, he cheated on me. And mm. oh. at the time, I obviously I was really upset. I was like very upset by the betrayal. Um, this uh-huh. was like my first relationship and his first relationship. So it was devastating. Yeah. Um, but like something that really stuck with me at the time was that he didn't ask me um, because like when we were talking about this whole thing, you know, like I was in tears and everything. And I was just like, I just don't understand why you didn't ask me. If you just asked me and trusted me that you were going to do this, then I would have been okay with it. I don't understand why you didn't just ask me. Yeah. Um, and, and he was just like, like what (laughs) he just kind of like looked really astounded that um i'd even kind of you know that this was had even been an option that he could take yeah Yeah. and i was like does no one else think like this um (laughs) and i think also another dimension to this was that like the guy that i was dating in six one at the time like he was like really into theater and he was always in a lot of plays and whenever he was in a play where like you know he was like a leader role like he'd have to like kiss someone else on stage like I always found myself getting really excited like I would go and see the performances like I'd kind of you know really kind of cheer them on like I even tried to befriend the girl that he uh like kissed on stage like I wanted to like have my own kind of dynamic with her like I was yeah um and so you know in a very weird way like kind of even though obviously it was not a real dynamic because they were doing it like for theater and so kind of there were various signs kind of looking back that you know I thought about relationships in a different way from other people and um you know with with the whole cheating like obviously like it was devastating but it wasn't devastating because he slept with someone else it was that he didn't trust me with the information that he wanted to sleep with other people we didn't have a conversation Mm, about it Mm -hmm. um so yeah and then you know the relationship I had after that uh was open um and uh that's quite a big thing for like back back then as mm-hmm. well and just like people weren't talking yeah. about non-monogamy yeah. and like being open and like how did you even know that it was like kind of okay and a thing that was like I don't know that it even existed yeah so I didn't know that other people were doing it um I think this right. was just I, I thought that you know open relationships were a thing that I just kind of come up on my own until I realized <laughs> that like other people were doing it as well yeah. um but I think a part of it, a part of why I wasn't just kind of doing what everyone else was doing um, is kind of partly because I'm autistic. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's not enough research on this and there needs to be, but um, you know, there's, there's like a massive correlation between the non-monogamous community and the uh, neurodivergent community, like particularly like, uh, like autistic and ADHD. Like, you know, everyone in my, in my current, like friend group you know like everyone i know who is non-monogamous like in my kind of network um is is adhd uh, or autistic or both like me yeah and um you know and i think that when you are neurodivergent you already or when you're queer right like you already exist outside of a lot of mainstream norms right like you want to fit in but you couldn't even if you tried and so at some point you just kind of learn well like fuck it you know like if i'm not able to be accepted if i'm not able to do the things that other people do to fit in then i may as well just do what makes me happy yeah and so i think polyamory is a big part of that for me where i'm like 
well fuck your norms you know like Mm. i'm gonna do my own thing that works for me and work for the people that i'm connecting with um and i think being able to shed that like yeah like at an early age is because i already didn't give a fuck basically (laughs) there could also be a huge link especially with um autism Mm with the the, like the binary thinking behind it where it's almost like cheating doesn't really come into it because that that can be an emotional fear so when it is so like factual when it's like well obviously that I know that you love me and and you love like so if you had sex with somebody else that's fine as long as it's just clear and we talk about it and discuss it there's almost like no fear around um, of course there can be fears Mm. but lack of fear when it it almost like makes sense in your brain yeah. like like we are animals of course you would want like i want to do this you'll want to do mm-hmm. this um you know we are put on this earth to spread and fuck as many things and have as many babies as possible yeah. so like why why would people stop that and prevent it and have a problem mm-hmm. with it it's like yeah that very sort of black and white thinking yeah yeah um, definitely i definitely yeah. resonate with that and actually you know when you talk about like the emotions versus logic situation um in my second mm. relationship the one that was open um you know we were long distance because at this point we finished school and um i decided to take mm. a year out and he was starting university in america um and so we were on like literally different continents and the the conversation about opening up was initiated by me uh, you know and it was fortunately like reciprocated you know he also wanted it um but basically mm. kind of the the reasoning That's that cool. i had at the time uh when i was like 17 18 at this point was well, okay, we're in a long distance relationship. We're both horny teenagers. We both have sexual needs that we want to get met, but we're not going to be able to see each other for extended periods of time. Like at that point in time, we would probably, you know, see each other once every six months, like if that, you know, like in person. Mm, wow. And, you know, we knew that that was going to be very hard. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to resent you for not being able to like have sex with me because you're in a different country and that's not your fault. I don't want to break up just because I want to have sex with other people. And I don't want us to lie to each other and cheat on each other in order to get their sexual needs met. And I don't have a problem with you sleeping with other people. In fact, I would really love it if you, uh, you know, let loose like during Freshers Week and did whatever. And, you know, just told me about these experiences that you were having with these other people. Like, I'm very Mm -hmm. excited for you um, and the people that you're going to meet. Yeah, compassion. Yeah. It's like compersion where you're like, what makes you happy makes me happy. Mm-hmm. It's work, It's the teamwork. It's working together. I, I want you to have exciting sexual adventures and I want you to talk to me about it because they're exciting for me as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. fuck. I, I did a similar thing with my second boyfriend where I really heavily encouraged him to do porn. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want you to do porn. Wow. Like, fuck other women. Um, and, he, and he did a couple of shoots, but it was... It, like, I never, never really clocked until you said about... Yeah, having sex with other people. Um, yeah, that that was that's that's so fascinating because yeah. uh, it it happens in different ways, mm-hmm. doesn't it? It's like some some couples are like, oh yeah, I don't mind if you get bought a drink at a bar yeah. by another guy. That's cool. Or like, yeah, of course you can flirt and sext on on fucking MSN <laughs> yeah. or some whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, MSN. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like I relate to that as well because of um, in my like first like proper two year relationship. I ended it because I wanted to have sex with other people and I just didn't mm-hmm. realize that there was another option. And yeah. obviously mm. I still loved him. I still really cared about him. I still really liked our relationship, mm. but I was just like, I'm really horny and I want to fuck and I want to have more experiences. And it just didn't yeah. compute to me that I could have 
a relationship and do that at the same time and it's yeah, quite sad yeah, thinking yeah. about no, it. it's coming back that to me now sad. i was like yeah. you know the last the last thing that i want uh, the, like i said to my partner i was like the last thing i i want is for you to feel like i'm holding you back mm. um you know if there's a pleasurable experience that you want to have if there's something exciting an opportunity that like you've been offered like the last thing i want you to to think is like oh i would love to do that but you know yeah. my partner wouldn't like and, and and to resent me for that yeah, who, who am i to stand in you know, your way of an exciting amazing yeah. life experience you know like do it yeah report mm-hmm. back no precisely mm. yeah exactly so that was you know it was very much a practical decision at the time and um you know but but yeah over time uh like i've transitioned from kind of being in like sexually open relationships to polyamory i would say i've been practicing polyamory for the past five or six years now yeah um wow. and um yeah you know like and I, I can't remember whether there was a specific point where I was like let's let go of the romantic exclusivity element as well like I think at just some point along the line I was like I do I actually care that much <laughs> like not really because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, at, at a certain point right if you if you're if you're open and you're having sex with other people particularly you start like hooking up with people on a regular basis like the same people on a regular basis um you know inevitably like some emotional intimacy does form mm-hmm. right like you like them as a person yeah. you know presumably and you want to and you have good sex presumably yeah. <laughs> and, um you know and and so yeah like there is a bond that is created and so like the the distinction between like whether it's like a friends and benefits thing or like you know potentially like there's romantic elements to it like does it even matter at the end of the day like as long as i'm i'm still happy and fulfilled in the relationship mm-hmm. and you know you're not just kind of running off being super irresponsible like yeah again it's the question of who am i to hold you back yeah, yeah. um so yeah like i think the 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 the, the boundaries there kind of got slowly um i guess like eroded or kind of let go of over time Mm. and now i just kind of fully embrace um like multiple partnerships and obviously encourage yeah you're so right like with i have i I have a primary partner but i'm also seeing a fuck buddy but that's still a connection that's still something there um and it's not fair to say that it's it's just non-monogamy that it is an element of polyamory like i Mm. like and i think i feel like i've definitely change the fact of me saying I am poly because I'm afraid of maybe what my primary partner might think or I say primary partner I'm afraid of what Jacob might think if he thinks that I'm having a connection with other people when in reality I am already having that connection it just depends on what level of a connection you feel that is like how different is it from liking somebody and being attracted to somebody to falling in love you know what where's the cutoff point because it those those lines do blur i'm i'm yeah. really fascinated about this this is really blowing my mind right now people <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like what you touch on there is actually a concept uh, called relationship anarchy which is sort of related mm. to non-monogamy where um Basically, relationship anarchy is not a relationship style. Um, It's more like a life philosophy Mm -hmm. where, um, you know, I think the word anarchy can be like very scary for some people, but like, you know, because people are like, anarchy, chaos, but no. Um, (laughs) So uh, like, so relationship anarchy basically says, like it, it, it puts forward the theory that, you know, all relationships are equal. 
Um, and not in the sense that you need to treat everyone the same, but that there isn't an automatic hierarchy of your romantic monogamous partner is like number one relationship. And then, you know, you must like always defer to them. They are your first priority at all times and everything, uh, below, everything is below that. Uh, because we see a lot of people, um, you know, neglect their friendships. Like when they get into romantic relationships, you see this happen Mm. all the time, right? I think everyone's had a story where like their best friend, like started hanging out with, with, with like their partner and yeah suddenly you just didn't see them at all anymore um and basically it says like don't do that you know because all your relationships are valuable in different ways you get different things from different types of connections Mm -hmm. and uh romantic love is not like the only type of love that is valuable and worth kind of striving for and that is like serious yeah um and yeah and it also talks about like you know customizing your connections with people instead of worrying about labels like oh we're friends of benefits and therefore friends of benefits do these things or like oh we're friends and we're not allowed to cuddle or whatever um you know to just kind of uh really tailor make your individual connections with people whether they're platonic romantic sexual familial professional domestic um you know whatever and yeah so it's it's a concept that ties in a lot with polyamory in terms of questioning Mm. like the hierarchy of relationships um particularly as i think we're living in a world where like we're kind of really encouraged to place everything on one romantic partner um yes and it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of expectation um and obviously i'm not saying that everyone should have multiple partners like i don't think that's necessary at all but i think it's what people can learn from polyamorous people is having like a, a varied support network like multiple people to lean on for support and to also support them as well yes. um you know like a like a, a a variety of intimate relationships however you define intimacy um so that yeah like you can explore different facets of yourself um you can grow as a person um you have multiple people to hold you accountable and to take responsibility and you just have a more fulfilling life in general than if you like kind of just locked yourself in with one person and you know were necessarily kind of limited by what that connection could and couldn't do yeah Mm -hmm. yeah this is fascinating (laughs) yeah i'm like (laughs) it's just such good advice in general Mm -hmm. to everyone i really do believe that um yeah i think we always end up neglecting friends and stuff around relationships and it just happens quite naturally because of just Mm -hmm. like hierarchy what we social norms what we've kind of expected ourselves to be Mm -hmm. like in relationships okay (laughs) i wanted to go back to something quite basic but what do you think about the myth of polyamory just being a free pass to cheat what do you have to say about that narrative oh that basic bitch question man (laughs) yeah i mean you know gotta deal with them um yeah i have i i I could we could have a whole episode about polyamorous misconceptions Mm -hmm. to be honest like Mm -hmm. yeah um you know on my on my website i have an faq section and there's a section that's like common misconceptions and I've made videos responding to every single piece of bullshit that I've ever gotten on my page um so you get you get a lot of you get a lot of stuff um you know like people going like yeah like it's just a free pass to cheat you you've never experienced true love um you know you're only doing this because uh you know you you just like you don't have enough self-esteem to demand a monogamous relationship Jesus fucking Christ Um, what you know like uh yeah like you you know you you must you you're gonna die of AIDS um (laughs) 
Wow. <laughs> like, fucking hell. Cool. Yeah, like, Thanks. um, you know, you know, oh, like, or like, you're you're only doing this because you're like you're bisexual. You know, a lot of kind of conflation mm. of stereotypes oh. between um those two groups and like mm. um yeah. So a lot of kind of like bioessentialism, various things. So I could mm. I could talk about this all day, but um, yeah, like I think that people approach uh polyamory and kind of like thinking about polyamory from a very monogamous lens because we grew up in a mononormative society right so like we're taught that uh you know love and commitment equals monogamy Mm. that you know when you're in a relationship you need to take like these steps like you know uh, living together having kids getting married etc like to validate the commitment and devotion in your relationship to validate Um, the commitment yeah fuck you're so yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to yeah, and, and there, there's there's a very set path that you have to go on in order to feel security in this relationship. But you know, the more you rely on the structure of your relationship to feel secure, like the less secure you actually are, because you know ultimately yeah. it doesn't mean anything if you're like, oh, I've got a ring on my finger, therefore he loves me. No, it doesn't. <laughs> like not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. Um, yeah. It's well, sometimes yeah, it can just um, be a bit fun and like party yeah. and enjoy some yeah, 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 If yeah. you're feeling like if he's not putting a ring on it, then mm. the relation mm-hmm. you know, he's never gonna commit, the relationship's over, then Ooh. then there's the problem. My my therapist yeah. always says how the security that we get from relationships is all a, all an illusion. There is never Ooh. any security mm-hmm. in a relationship because we're all just no, that in, is true. individual is true. human beings and I we can that. never fully commit to anything. Life is ever changing, emotions are ever changing, and the only thing that we can ever be secure in in our, is ourselves. We're the yeah. only thing that yeah. isn't an, isn't an illusion, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like wow. I think that people there's a very high risk of getting complacent. You know, once you're in a relationship, you're like, oh, I've 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 you know we've gotten married and therefore you know we're done. We've reached the end of the line happily ever after. I never need to put any work into this ever again. Yeah. Um. And then yeah. that's how like the it's things start to atrophy and you need to um yeah constantly work on things. Obviously, relationships shouldn't be like super difficult, but they do require effort and love is a verb. Yeah. Um, um, and so anyway, so people approach uh, thinking about polyamory from a very specific mindset, like where mm-hmm. they're like, well, love means this and therefore anything that falls outside of that um, is is wrong. And when people equate polyamory to cheating, you know, they're not necessarily thinking about the fact that like, you know, because the, to them cheating is like having sex with multiple partners, right? Like yeah. having sex with someone outside of your relationship is cheating and they can't envision a world where you would tell your partner yeah i you know it's okay if you have sex with other people even like actually i encourage it Mm -hmm. like you know i would love it if you had sex with someone else like because they can't empathize with that feeling they're like so you know your partner must be cheating on you and you must be crying yourself to sleep every night and you know you're you're lying if you're saying that you enjoy this um and there's also actually like I think as a as a woman, well, women asterisk <laughs> gender is complicated. Yeah. <laughs> um, I but but as as a person who was socialized like as a woman, yeah. I suppose, um, you know, there's an element of misogyny to this as well. Like I think people assume that like as a woman, I should be, uh, you know, kind of less sexually aggressive yeah. I don't know, like than mm-hmm. a male partner uh-huh. that i that i i need to be like monogamous and be like marriage and kids oriented um and i shouldn't be kind of thinking too much about sex um so if you're thinking about sex and wanting it elsewhere then you are the slut but it's okay if the man does <laughs> yeah. it 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wild. And people are always assuming that it was my partner's idea. Mm, yes. Um, like literally, uh, literally me and my partner, I think Reed, you you liked the video, so you must have seen yes. this. Like me and my partner were interviewed uh, very recently for like a big news outlet thing. Um, and they were interviewing oh, us freedom. about our relationship. Mm. And we were talking about the, con- yeah, Frida. Mm. We were talking about the concept of compersion. Um, and then like someone, someone put in the comment section saying like, she's constantly looking at him while she's talking which suggests to me that she's looking to him for approval and she's not actually comfortable (laughs) in this relationship and i and then someone responded being like she literally does this for a living (laughs) (laughs) um, and yeah and i also responded just being like i'm looking at him because i think he's hot like (laughs) why are people projecting so much projecting Um, that projectiness fucking hell that's unreal but people do this regardless of gender Mm. like you know for women and they're like oh you know if you're the one uh, like you know you must be super insecure like you know your partner's just walking all over yes you. you're the bitch of blah, the relationship blah, blah. you're the victim yes. mm-hmm. yeah but people do this for men as well yeah. like you know either they're like oh my god you're such an asshole you're like this hyper chad alpha dude who's just like fucking over everyone yeah or they're like you're a beta simp cuck yeah 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 um, bitch who, you How know you like who just like what man that? what man yeah. would let your girl do that yeah, yeah. it's um, fucking you know nightmare. you control your woman yeah. control your woman <laughs> <laughs> i cannot my my ex was literally asked that question by his mates was literally just like how can you let her really? do that and he was like what do you mean i'm not fucking letting her do it like she's doing her own thing he was so shocked <laughs> yeah fucking wild yeah. i'm really curious to know kind of how things work really well in poly polyamorous relationships and you were talking about how obviously there's you know there's honesty and trust and that involves a hell of a lot of communication how do you make sure that you are communicating with all your partners and do you have like tips for people that are wanting to get into polyamory in terms of how they should communicate Mm -hmm. with their partners i think to start right like when you pretty much depart from the norms of what are expected in relationships so you very much have to assume nothing um and uh, people who move from monogamy into polyamory, like particularly if they've been like, you know, in the same monogamous relationship for a very long time, uh, are more likely to struggle with this because when you've been in the same relationship for ages and it's looked a certain way, um, you know, suddenly having to like, you know, demolish and re- like renovate the, the entire thing um, is a really destabilizing experience, right? Because if you constantly defined your relationship by like, oh, they're not fucking other people and that's how I know they love me. Suddenly, when you start fucking other people, then they're like, how do I know they love me? Mm. Ah! Um, and so I think that's the that's the initial thing to, to get over, like to understand that like this is a big transition. It is a scary process and it's like not a decision to be taken lightly. Um, and also that people who were compatible when they were monogamous would not necessarily be compatible if they were non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, so, because there's, there's so many different factors that go into it. You might practice non-monogamy in a different way. You might want different things out of it. And, uh, those needs may not be compatible, but to answer your question on communication and relationships, I mean, I think this could span like so many different things, but I think that when you have multiple relationships you obviously take on the freedom of having you know yeah like so much autonomy to like pursue these connections but you also have to take on a lot of responsibility so by responsibility i mean like you know balancing 
the the needs of your partners uh you know and uh like sticking to the promises that you've made and the agreements that you've made um renegotiating like if things change or you feel differently about something and with the decisions that you make you also have to think about how they affect the other people in your life right and that doesn't come easily to people i think like particularly because we're taught to like build our life around one person mm. we often just like oh we'll make this decision with this like primary figure in our lives and then everyone else has to accommodate mm. to that whereas if you have multiple intimate connections like i mean you should be doing this regardless but like i think it's especially pertinent if you have like multiple intimate connections like yeah these affect people on an emotional level much more acutely and you need to be considerate of that um, I find that uh, people who have uh, poor boundaries or who um, yeah. don't like sufficiently advocate for themselves like in, in relationships in general really struggle with maintaining multiple relationships because say for example someone has two partners and one partner is gets really jealous and insecure about the fact that like they have another relationship mm -hmm. and they start placing they start being somewhat controlling they start trying to limit the amount of time that they spend with the other partner and this obviously affects the other partner, mm. right? And, um, you know, if you're trying to, uh, you know, be considerate towards everyone, right? Obviously, there's nothing wrong with being jealous or insecure. People, like, you know, like, have wobbles. That's fine. Um, but it's one thing to be jealous and insecure. And it's another thing to, like, you know, kind of do things that really harm other people. And not just, like, the other person your partner's involved with, but also, like, how your partner feels, like, about that relationship, Right. Um, and ultimately it's about like asking yourself like what, what you actually need in the situation, what you're actually threatened by and kind of having conversations about it. Um, but the person in the middle who has these two partners, like if they have poor boundaries, they might just roll over and be like, oh fuck, you know, my partner's having a crisis, <clears throat> you know, I'm just going to capit capitulate to all their demands, yeah. you know, fuck my other partner's feelings. I'm just going to like do this to placate them. So then I don't have to deal with disappointing them or having a complicated conversation with uh, with them that might lead to conflict because I'm really mm -hmm. terrified. And this will really fuck over their relationship and also this other person who's now being pushed out or is being unfairly treated. Um, and yeah, like their needs aren't being equally considered in this situation, which is like a shitty thing to do, like in, in whatever scenario. So, you know, basically it's about finding a balance, right? Like, yes, you're jealous and insecure, um, what are the requests that you're making of me? Okay, I can meet these requests, um, you know, but like there are these things that might affect someone else. So I can't do that. Is there a different way that we could approach this situation? And then going to the other partner and being like, hey, my partner's struggling with this thing, you know, kind of let's have a conversation about how that might like what's coming up for you as well and yeah it's a lot of management yeah. it's a lot of emotional mm -hmm. management so you know is. like when people people tell me when people tell me shit like oh you know like polyamory is such a cop-out because like you don't want to put in the work it takes to maintain what a relationship fuck, i'm like the fuck are you talking like about <laughs> like, fucking... i am maintaining i'm up to my ears in maintenance right yeah, now bitch. it is, like, it is unbelievable <laughs> ridiculous. Maintenance. but it also shouldn't diminish the fact that if you are non-monogamous or polyamorous then that's just a given it's it, it's like it's not an option mm -hmm. oh i don't have the time or capacity to manage all of these relationships it comes with it it's part of it it's what you enjoy about having these relationships just like how in a monogamous relationship it is part of the relationship that you argue and fall out and repair and fix things mm -hmm. it is yeah it is can, it can be exhausting but like 
you 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 do it you do it because you love it so much it's part of it yeah and arguably i think that um you know these kind of skills need to be implemented more in monogamous relationships as well but i think people just don't have the opportunity to yeah because oftentimes like monogamy like from from what i from what i've seen of kind of how monogamy is like traditionally practiced i guess um like monogamy is not so much about just dating one person like it's also about like you know to an extent mate guarding like ensuring that there are no threats to the relationship like outside of it right so you know if you have a friend who you might be getting like a little too close to then you need to kind of like limit that connection so that you so the partner doesn't Mm. get pissed off um and you need to like you know there are certain things that you can't do in order to kind of maintain like this kind of i don't know the sanctity of that bond or whatever um and yeah like there's there's a lot of kind of holding yourself back um from exploring xyz so that you don't create conflict um whereas in in polyamory i think it's not about kind of shying away from that conflict and sometimes there is no conflict but you know like if there is you know you talk through it and rather than seeing the conflict as the as the issue uh or like you know whatever created it it's like oh like let's explore our feelings around this you know what are our values and kind of how are we going to um kind of like stick to them and have yeah. a good time um it's there's much more of a uh, like a like a conversation around it whereas i think in monogamy the tendency is this makes me uncomfortable therefore you need to yeah. stop doing that i i find everything you're saying so fascinating and i wish we had hours and hours and hours because we have so many questions i feel like polyamory is just it's such like Endless. a launch pad <laughs> to talk about relationships and like but relationships and like how i feel like it's weird because it's it teaches you how to have a monogamous relationship in a really good way. Like everything yeah. that you've been saying is so relevant to every single person's relationship with themselves, their friends, their family, their loved ones, their partner. Like it's just all so, so relevant. Um, and I really wish we had more time to talk to you about this. But to wrap up this episode Reed is there anything else that you wanted to ask about polyamory before I ask the fuck off story I really like this question here which was what's your top tip for poly babies or baby pollies poly babies that doesn't sound right my words again I'll baby pollies today baby pollies <laughs> if there are people listening to this episode and want to get into um being polyamorous is there anything you can recommend yeah um i think definitely Mm -hmm. do your research right like you're making a big step you're uh you know going against the grain and that's scary regardless of whatever it is that you're doing um you know understand that you have to do a lot of work on questioning what you've been taught about relationships and um, sex and love and exclusivity and what it means um and it's not it's not an easy process so also be gentle to yourself um and you know um obviously do your best but it's also okay if you make mistakes at the start i think um you don't have to be perfect at it from the get-go um you know do your research there's lots of books out there there's creators like me who post about this on a regular basis um get like a breadth of of um resources so you can formulate your own opinions but also you know theory can also go so far and when you kind of take it into practice there might be a lot of unprecedented situations that come up that 
you deal with and you know you might potentially fuck up um but like we said earlier in the episode about conflict like the conflict isn't the issue is how you repair from it and how you communicate through it and you know if you have those relational skills then you know any conflict that does come up like you know doesn't have to divide you from your partner or create insecurity in your relationship um and ultimately i think it's important to be uh true to yourself because if you are doing this with a partner for example like you might have very different ideas of how you want to do this and yeah obviously you know make compromises and agreements where you can but also it's Mm -hmm. okay if like the relationship doesn't work out um Mm -hmm. because you want different things out of the dynamic because there's lots of different ways to do non-monogamy as well um and like having having yeah. support from people who you're not dating is really important like people who know what they're talking about um so yeah like you might be fortunate enough to have a local community you can tap into you might be able to look online um join some groups that kind of thing um or you yeah. can talk to me uh and other other creators who offer Amazing some form advice. of peer support coaching service like if yeah if you don't have people to turn to yeah, yeah. They, they do good meetups as well there's like poly meetups mm-hmm. that are going around london there are apps yeah. that you can use um, to find like-minded people, but it takes time. It's not a quick, quick answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not everyone lives in a city as well, so yeah. it can be challenging. Give, give for yourself some, some time um, mm-hmm. to, yeah, to get it right. Yeah, for that's sure. Amazing. Well, to wrap up this episode, I would love to ask you your fuck off story. Sure. Um, I have I have a great story. Strap yourselves in, guys. <laughs> okay. I'm so ready. Strapped um, in. <laughs> um, so this was while I was at uni. Um, I was very, very close friends with um, this uh, friend of mine, Bex, um, who is uh, non-binary and grew up in a Mormon family wow. and oh. is no longer Mormon. Uh, obviously mm. and uh, Fuck, yeah. and um you know but like i like do you find this like i always find like religious trauma babes are like the ones who are like the horniest um, but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, um, i have a friend that would agree yeah <laughs> um but but anyway like so this 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 friend of mine uh yeah like you know like left the mormon church um yeah they have a wild and crazy story but uh like you know super kinky and they really love to use um kind of religious imagery as like part of oh, their yes, kink please. practice mm. um you know the kind of incorporating elements of that like partly as a kind of rebellious move but also because of yeah because there are a lot of themes in it that are just kind of sexy yeah. right like worship or like the festivization sometimes you just can't yeah. fucking help it some some actual mm-hmm. situation when you're younger makes it into yeah. a fetish and there is you- yeah you're done <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um and bex had uh like a like a partner who was ex-catholic and also had like a very similar kind of journey and so both of them were like super into incorporating religion into kink and um and i was like relatively close with them anyway bex calls me up one night and is like hey um i would love you to participate in a scene that i've devised for my friend um and i was like okay what is this and they're like i'm doing an exorcism and i was like oh tell me more (laughs) um and basically kind of how it went down was like bex puts a lot of effort into their uh kind of practice like of 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 kink like the scenes that they devise and things are very very they put a lot of effort into it 
Um, and they were like, okay, so like the idea is, you know, like this ex-Catholic friend of mine, like they, um, you know, they, they, they've, they've sinned, you know, like they're like sexually impure and they need to be cleansed. Um, and so we're going to do a ritual and you're going to be part of the audience, uh, you know, at this ritual. Um, and we're going to like, you know, uh, like basically like cleanse, cleanse them of this impurity and, you know, uh, like b- baptize them and stuff and it's gonna be like a whole wow. thing and and they were like uh how how do you feel about reading the bible out loud while i do this wow. and i was like this sounds so funny yeah. <laughs> like this this is great i would this love to participate fucked. i must do it yeah <laughs> Yeah, so so like I, like if nothing else, like I wanted like I do a lot of things for the story, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. sometimes like yeah. I get like a wild opportunity on my doorstep, and I'm like, I need this just so I can tell the story at parties, yeah. right? Anyway, so do it for the um, gram. imagine imagine this: I go, I walk into the room. Um, the whole room is completely dark except for like a hundred these tiny tea light candles Whoa. that like uh light the room. Yeah. Right. Um, it's lit by candles. There's uh, like my, my friend had prepared a playlist, like a three hour playlist of Gregorian chants. Mm-hmm. And so you walk into the room, it's dark except for candles. And then there's like, oh, a kind of music like in the background. And, um, you know, my, like Bax is like in a, in a nun's habit. Um, wow. And uh, it also got like another friend who was like dressed like a priest. And there's like seats like around the room. So like I sit down, I'm given a like a dog-eared copy of a Bible. Um, and the scene starts, like, you know, there's you know, there's 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 a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, there was like some 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 whipping, um, there was kind of, you know, like chains were involved, wow. like frozen chains uh, were involved. Um, there was like a lot of kind of like impact play, like, you know, involved like in like kind of like yeah, like beating like the sin like out of someone yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and then there was a lot of like ritualistic like marking. Um, you know, mm. there was kind of some like trigger warning. There was kind of some needle play involved um, with cool. like kind of scratching like words like o- across across their body. Oh. Um, there was uh, yeah, there was kind of kind of some wax play. We eventually used the wax to like kind of drip it like on their body in a kind of like ritualistic way, and then. Um, yeah, and then towards the end, uh, yeah, it ended with like a like a baptism, which was basically kind of a bit like waterboarding. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was like super intense uh, to watch, and I was just there, like you know, at the certain points, like I was cued to like flip to a specific page in the Bible and read out passages that Bex had highlighted. And there was a passage uh, from Revelations called The Beast and the Prostitute, mm-hmm. um, which I read out loud. And that was like, you know, that was just contributing to the overall vibes <laughs> of the situation, like while I was there. Um, and so, yeah, um, you know, I didn't like directly participate, I suppose. Like, you know, I did a bit of the wax play and stuff, but no, no, I just kind of was there to like yeah. observe. Um, I think there was like a big part of like You're the... still part of sure, it, for sure. Fine, you yeah. Are. Like it was, yeah, I, I very much felt like a passive observer, but I suppose mm. I was active in the sense that like I provided the kind of audience mm. vibes for like the yeah. sub in the situation to be perceived and feel um i don't know like like it's it's an exhibitionism thing maybe it's like a 
shame mm. uh, kind of thing that's like turned into a kink. Um, so yeah, uh, I remember like just that whole experience being so, you know, I, I walking out of there, I felt like I just kind of, you know, like walked into a, like a different dimension because <laughs> it was just so well constructed yeah. and I'll never forget it. You know, like I think it was definitely like a lot of the stuff that happened in there was very much out of my comfort zone, but I was glad to have seen it and, you know, glad to have just witnessed the marvel of like how much could go into a scene and how like amazing it is when, and how immersive it is when it's pulled off really well. Um, and yeah, I just, I just learned a lot from, from that experience. And I often kind of bring that out as like a bit of like a shocking story because people are like, oh my God, like, you know, there's kink and yeah. then there's this. Um, so that's my fuck off that- story. Because <laughs> people definitely do go like, oh my God, what? Um, that might be so- one of the best ones. <laughs> that, that might yeah. be one of the best fuck off stories that we've ever heard on the podcast. That is up there with Sophie yeah. Anderson and the <laughs> shits. It sleeping bag <laughs> what okay i need yeah, to, you I need, need to listen need... to that episode yeah you have to listen to <laughs> that episode like... find sophie anderson it's the it's the most wild fuck off story it's we've the had most today. wild episode i think we've ever ever <laughs> we are waiting for somebody to top that off the leaderboard like the, i don't think it's possible though like no one no one can and, and i don't know if anyone should no but... where do i rank what top five top ten definitely top five i would say top three. Oh wow yeah. what an honor thank yeah. you <laughs> that was yeah. fucking amazing i so sexy i would love to ask you so many more questions i feel like if the audience have more follow-up questions to this topic that we've been talking about today why not like let's get leanne back on and yeah have the have more conversations about that i feel like it's just this has just been so and so enlightening for me I've enjoyed every single second of this. I'm like an <laughs> avid like learner, just like sitting yeah, here like, feel like give I'm me. Going to school. I went to Pali school, baby. I'm gonna get gold star. Yeah, because I I almost feel like this is gonna bring more questions up for people in their relationships, mm. and I'd love to know, yeah, yeah. what mm-hmm. what the follow up questions would be from our listeners. Yeah, I mean, I would be absolutely down to come on again if you'll have me, and yeah. if people want to learn more. Um, but yeah, like you know, I go back to what I said, like. Um, I think that everyone has something to learn from polyamory mm-hmm. in terms yes. of kind of breaking away from just relationship norms in general. Yeah. And I encourage everyone to design your own relationships, yeah. um, whatever that might look like. We want happy, yeah, healthy relationships. Yes, we love it. And it's such a shame we have to wrap this episode up and be done with it. But where can our curious fuckers find you and your content? Yeah, so I'm mainly on Instagram, but I'm also regularly posting on TikTok, Facebook, Threads, YouTube and Twitter. Um, And my handle is the same across all of those platforms. It's Polyphilia Blog. So that's P-O-L-Y-P-H-I-L-I-A-B-L-O-G. Um, I also have a Twitch channel, Polyphilia, where I do some casual gaming streams sometimes. Ooh. I have a Patreon where I do more deep dives into my content and personal life. Um, I sell polyamory merch. Uh, I also have a peer support service that I mentioned where you can book a chat with me to get support and advice about yeah. your non-monogamous relationship. Um, so yeah, uh, you can find me Polyphilia blog pretty much everywhere. Fucking amazing. amazing. Thank you so much you so for much. coming on. And curious fuckers, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it far and wide. Everyone needs to listen to this. Yes. And of course you can keep up to date with everything we get on with on our Instagram stories. Well, our Instagram in general 
at ComeCurious, as well as our personal accounts, Reed Amber X and Florence Bark. We are on Twitter as well. We're on Patreon and OnlyFans, motherfuckers. And YouTube. <laughs> Don't let's not forget YouTube, where oh, you course, can see yeah. all our pretty faces. <laughs> That was the main Mac Daddy site. That's yeah, yeah. we're fucking Mr. YouTube. You can see us on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know why you always like butcher the ending up so much. We do. Um, we remember it, yeah. to leave a rating and a review so that we can get this message and this podcast into more people's ears. And until then, see you next Thursday, curious fuckers. See you next Thursday. Bye. 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 Bye.